Welcome to episode five of Cold Weather Bats. Uh, today we are focused on the MHSBCA poll. Everybody loves preseason rankings. Everybody loves talking about preseason rankings. There's a lot of controversy, maybe. I don't know. I guess you could create some controversy with Michigan high school baseball polls. I don't see why not. After all, I guess, technically speaking, we're a little bit media nowadays. So, as always, I'm joined by Brian Sikowski. This is Brandon Justice. Brian, my friend, how are you? I'm good, man. It's a, it's a busy week. Um, doing a lot of uh, a lot of my like year-long working on stuff is coming out this week at, at PG, so... That's been an exciting week. I've uh, been busy. I was in Houston for five days covering our, our MLK tournament down there. Um, actually saw some Michigan guys, which was nice to see. Uh, saw them, saw five or six of them play ball. Uh, but good, man. I, I'm excited about this week. I'm excited about the next couple weeks. I, I think we're going we're gonna to talk to four of the best coaches in the game, and you and I are going to rap about rankings, and uh, hopefully uh, you know, we'll have a good time with it. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you use the word busy, and I think we both we both are on the same page there, which is why you're probably listening to this on Wednesday evening-ish, maybe even Thursday morning, which uh, we do apologize for, but at the same time, we're just, doing, we're just doing what we can these days, especially during the winter. So, you know, Brian, you being down there, I'm here with the facility, and anybody who's listening who knows how facilities are run knows that this time of the year is you are there and you are pretty much nowhere else unless it's 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. You know, everything in between, you're pretty much there. Um, but you got to love it. And at the end of the day, it's baseball. We, we're all baseball guys here. If you're listening, you're more than likely a baseball guy or woman, and you're probably enjoying it. So it is what it is. Uh, today, we're going to, you know, get right into these these polls. We're going to talk about some teams that you know, maybe didn't make the list that we thought should, or you talk about the number one teams. Obviously, we're covering Division One and Division Three this week. Uh, we've got Dan Samini on the show from from Liggett, who's ranked number one in Division Three. We've got Charlie Christner from Brighton, who is the head coach there. They're ranked number one in Division One. Uh, you get to hear about their rosters. You get to hear about their outlook on the season, even their origin stories and how they got to where they are. Uh, two very successful programs. So let's get right into it with uh, Brian and I here talking about. Division one and Division three. I know uh, Brian, you've got some some teams that you had thought of that maybe got omitted from the list that perhaps shouldn't have been. So, uh, give us a team that that you thought of or you can think of right off the bat. Maybe I'm putting you on the spot here with uh, getting omitted that maybe shouldn't have been in that top twenty. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I don't pretend to be an expert of all teams in in the state of Michigan. I really don't. I like to think I'm pretty close to an expert on the players. Um, as it pertains to, to kind of like prospect types, you know what I mean? But uh, but as far as teams, no. But, you know, so I'm not going to like rip these apart because I it's not like I know any better in a lot of cases. Um, but with that being said, I, I was pretty surprised to not see Lakeland uh, in D1. You know, that one kind of just jumped out to me when we when we sent the tweet out um, with this, this these polls and, and got a lot of engagement on it. And, and a lot of the engagement was Lakeland saying like, hey, <laughs> you know, sup. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was fair. Um, I think that's a that's a perennially strong program there in, in the Metro Detroit area, pretty near where I'm at at St. Mary's, and, and we play them every year, uh, and it's always a, a really good game, and they're always really well coached, and they're always really strong top to bottom as far as competitive at-bats, and their pitchers throw strikes. and um, So, you know, again, like I said to open, I don't I don't pretend to know everything about the teams in, in the state of Michigan or to, to really make comments like that, but, like, I was just a little surprised to not see them. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, we talk about teams omitted, uh, and, and you think immediately probably Lakeland, given just the, like you said, the pure activity um, and the attention that was brought to them not making that list. And, you know, that team's that team's good. And like you said, always well coached. Farquhar does a good job up there. And, uh, you know, he's got his boys up there, and, and or at least one of them. And uh, that team will, will always, I think, really, I always hit well. Um, offense is kind of always their thing from what i've gathered at least from from afar you know being more so in the down ish area we never really saw them um but excited to get out there and see some teams played there this summer which was interesting it's actually a one of those fields where you park and it's about like 300 feet down on a hill uh, and you mm-hmm. can kind of watch the game from the parking lot so I show up to a to a summer game, and dude, you're talking summer games when it's like 98 degrees outside, and it's like it's like a five o'clocker, six o'clocker, nice and nice and humid and muggy. Pretty much like the worst time to be a coach because you, it it might be more nauseating to not do anything in that weather than it is to do something in that weather. If that makes sense. True. So, true. Uh, you know, you're standing in the third base box, and you're just you, you, like, "Where's my frog towel?" Type deal. And as so. a scout, as a scout, I. Uh, Boy, do I vibe this, man. <laughs> Hoover, Hoover, Alabama in August when you don't move for 12 hours. It's, it's something special, let me tell you. Yeah, I could not imagine the differences between Lakeland, Michigan, and Hoover, Alabama, but I'm guessing that Hoover is probably <laughs> still far, human. far worse. But Michigan Michigan gets under, you know, it's overlooked for how, how muggy the summers get up here. I mean, I think. That's just, that's just me. But, uh, you know, back to baseball. Uh, a team that I wanted to talk about, they're not omitted from the list, but I think they're a little low. Uh, and I think it's kind of interesting because you have two of these schools in Division One or not two of these schools, but four of these schools in Division One, where they're associated with each other, the two of them are, and they're back-to-back. So you got Portage Central and Portage Northern, and then you have Gross Point North and Gross Point South. So it's kind of interesting. What I want to talk about is the Portage teams. I think this Portage Central team is going to be, like, really, really good. Like, I think that that team has pretty much everything it needs to to win a title um you know it's it's preseason so everything one through ten is probably really interchangeable probably even one through 15 honestly is really interchangeable so i'm not going to say like oh too low or this that and the other thing or disrespect blah 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 but you know center fielder out there zach mcdonald signed to miami ohio probably the most underrated player in the state probably in that class probably one of the more overlooked guys i mean he, he definitely got a lot of love being committed to miami ohio doesn't qualify as an overlooked guy by any means but i Truly, I mean, this guy is is a five-tool center fielder, legitimate range, arm strength, pop in the back, goes yard. Uh, we'll also get in the base path and run like a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 60 guy. Uh, he can swipe bags. You know, he he's smart. He's a, a great leader. Uh, so he's a guy I think, you know, and obviously Luke Lito. We, we can't look over, you know, Luke Lito. So, um, you know, that, that team is a team I wanted to bring up because, you know, it's ranking. So, like, the whole episode is based on it. So the guys who are like, who cares about rankings? Ignore me at this part. I think they're a little too low. I think Porter Central is probably one of my top three, four teams. But like we said, we're not entirely experts, but, but that's where I'm at on it. That's where I'm at on it. An SEC committed arm and Gavin Brzozowski too there. Um, you know, you just overlooked those yeah. things. You know, that team's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, no, I'm with you, man. Those Portage schools, you know, like obviously uh, – St. Mary's we play in the Catholic League so like I could talk more eloquently about Rice and and CC and De La Salle and them but like we usually end up seeing the Portage schools or you know 
Petrie likes to schedule uh, those guys, or we see them in a tournament on the west side that we like to do every year. Um, you know, it, and like those are unbelievable teams. Like that that Portage Northern team that won the state title in 2019 was uh, was outstanding. You know, that was one of the the best games we played in all year. Was was them, and they're super well coached, and, and Central's the same way, and, and just super super high quality baseball on the west side of the state with Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids. Yeah, the west side of the state is phenomenal. I, I, we talked about this in the travel ball episode. We talked about the, the history of diamonds and what diamonds has you know really done and on the west side. And there's definitely other Kalamazoo programs. Maroons. Kalamazoo yeah, yeah, Maroons yeah. has been fantastic, and, and that's where the um, that's where McDonald came from. Was the Maroons? That's where Lido was. Was with the Maroons as Eddie Youngage. Uh, so they came up through that organization. Um, you know, Derek just, Jeter, notably. Yeah, Derek freaking Jeter. <laughs> you know, you should probably know him. Uh, you know, it's just. The West Side's great. I, I, I have I have just the utmost respect for what the West Side does and, and produces, um, and, and the the ball players that come through there. And I think I don't know if I would say it's different. I think it's you know we're we're all doing kind of the same things here, training indoors when we can. There's there's no real edge there from like an attitude standpoint or uh, disadvantage standpoint. It's just they're producing a lot of talent. There's there's not a single part of the state that like really commands everything you know metro detroit has its ways the east side has its ways the west side has its ways even the schools in the central part of the state has its ways and uh you know there's some even schools in the upper peninsula that are that are getting by as well and i guess we should probably shout out rudyard baseball right you know that's a school we could definitely hear about you know billy mitchell's a a a devoted fan of the show and we enjoy interacting with him and, and he runs a heck of a program up there i don't know how um I'm looking forward to having him on the show to explain to us how baseball in the Upper Peninsula works. Um, because for the life of me, I don't know, Brandon, but I'm sure that'll be an illuminating conversation, and, and we look forward to having Coach Mitchell on the show soon. Um, but yeah, man, do, do you want to move into D3 now? Talk a little D3 baseball. My roots as a Riverview Gabriel Richard, both alum and former coach, Um yeah, man, let's dive into D3 because there's some triggering names on here. I'm just looking at schools who beat me when I was a player and, and having to start to twitch a little bit. Well, uh, you mentioned Gabriel Richard, and I think, uh, I think they're a school that has really changed the entire perspective of their program uh, over the past few years. And not to say that it wasn't great bef- before, but it, was, it certainly was not a consistent contender uh, which is hard to do at any school for that matter, but it's, it's kind of become that. So, you know, let's, why not just take you right back to your roots? Talk, talk about what GR has done. <laughs> so, you know, a, a little, if you'll indulge me a bit of backstory here as, as far as my history with the program, um, GR was a really good baseball school when I was there, but we weren't competing to win state titles. Uh, we would, you know, go to Comerica Park uh, for the Catholic League Championship pretty much every year. Uh, we'd usually play Cabrini there. Um, I think in my career there we were like two and one maybe I think Cabrina got us as seniors but anyways like we'd, we'd win a district uh, we'd, we'd get to a regional final and lose to Blissfield we'd get to a reg- regional semifinal and lose to Blissfield um, you know whatever we'd, we'd just lose to Blissfield and uh, so like it was a strong program and then there was like a little bit of a lull kind of like my college years um, but when Mike Major who's the head coach there uh, when he took over the program and I believe it was 2014 that's when it kind of the tide started to turn um, had some really good athletes in there at the time 
Uh, Jake Lepetsky is, is still pitching in college at Oklahoma Baptist, which is a, a strong D2 program. He's setting records for strikeouts there. He set records for strikeouts at San Diego City College, where he was, where he was at before that. Uh, Brennan Cox was a major arm there for years. He's now pitching at Wayne State and is a guy who I think is going to have some professional interest when his college career is over with. Josh Blasek uh, went to Wayne State also to play baseball, and he was a, a tremendous athlete, maybe one of the more just purely athletic guys I've ever coached from a, from a twitch standpoint. Um, and like as those athletes come through the program and, and Mike leading the way, they came back. You know, it started slowly. Um, it started with like a 500 year and then it started with like a let's get down to Comerica and lose year and then it progressively built. Uh, they won what they won a regional in 2017 and then lost and um, I believe it was to Bishop Foley, uh, some of the Bishop Foley teams that you'll hear us talk about with Dan Samini shortly. Uh, and then they won the state in 2018 uh, behind a, a really strong group of seniors. Um, you know, a couple of those guys, Kevin Tuttle is playing at Alma, and Matt Silka is at U of M Dearborn. And, um, the the quality was good. of the player. Yeah, Tuttle. Tuttle could really hit, man. He could play anywhere. I was just going to say, he was extremely versatile. I mean, we I saw him. I was at Trenton when he was, he must have been a junior or sophomore and maybe, maybe older, but I remember seeing him at shortstop, and then I saw him at catcher, and then I saw him at, mm-hmm. on the mound, and I was like, "Wow, you're 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 really good at all three of these things." So, um, which one is it? <laughs> My last, go, and then, like you said, you'd go mash at the plate too. You know, why can't we yeah, all have that? Yeah. My last year at GR was his freshman year, um, and it was kind of an interesting thing. It was like a like we had an injury or something. Like Tuttle was going to start on JV, and, and we had an injury, and we kind of got together as a coaching staff and said, like, "All right, well." Who can we bring up to hit ninth? Who can like handle center field? And it, and kind of universally said Tuttle, and so he came up and played center field. And by the end of the season, was like hitting in the two hole also. Uh, and then from there, it was like like you said, he could play short, he could catch, he could go to the outfield if you needed him to. He had a strong arm and could pitch. Uh, just one of the more versatile players. And then like dude, it was just all barrels. You know, he never had a ton of power, but it was just barrels all the time. Um, just a really, really good player who's who's off to a good start in his college career at Alma for sure. Another team I like a lot this year, uh, you know, m- that might sneak up is a team that is is no, they are no stranger to making a deep playoff run, and that's Richmond. I, you know, Richmond knows exactly what they're doing, uh, and they got a guy named Hudson Davenport who who is a corner player committed to eastern michigan power bat like real legit power bat when absolutely tore it up uh, in the summer obviously plays for arsenal uh and then bennett hitzelberger he's a kid who plays with uh t-backs elite he's a lefty mm-hmm. power arm he's he's in the mid eights um so they got some juice there at richmond they always got some juice there at richmond they're extremely well coached uh so that's a that's a team i'm pretty interested in as well definitely and you can just kind of look up and down the list you know like homer is is they were brought up repeatedly when we were talking about the greatest teams of all time, uh, you know, in earlier podcasts. And they're right there again. And, and you'll hear us talk with Coach Samini from Liggett. They're number one for a reason. Um, you'll you'll hear us dive into his roster a little bit more. But they're young players. The 23s and 24s on their roster are, are supremely talented. Um, and you've probably watched a lot of them play on TV already between the Little League World Series and, and – Maybe the the PG Select Festival, which had Jaron Purify in it a couple years ago. Um, yeah, man. And and then this is another thing that that we'll talk about with Coach Samini. But really excited to see Detroit Edison in a good spot there. 
Um, really excited to see a, a public school league team from Detroit be a baseball powerhouse. And, and you know, Detroit Western's been that way for a number of years, and, and Edison getting up there like that it is it's, it's fantastic to see. It's fantastic for the state. It's fantastic for baseball. Um, they have really talented players, obviously. And, yeah, man, it, it looks like another really strong year in D3, and, and one of those were like – one of the teams down the list can kind of jump up out of nowhere. Like, I don't know anything about, about Traverse City St. Francis. I, I don't know anything about Lumen Christie as far as this year goes. And, and I know them from my memory as, as strong programs. So so we're going to have to sit back and watch, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest thing about these playoffs is teams that, you know, we don't know a whole lot about or maybe teams that don't have those quote-unquote recruitable guys. Maybe they have some sort of unspeakable bond that we don't know about, you know, being growing up together and all and all that and uh, you never know what that can culminate to and you mentioned the girls point Liggett team I mean yeah that team is loaded and that team is loaded for for a while now like they will be very good for the next couple of years and you know they got sharp and um, purify both committed to Michigan they've got Jones the, the right hander committed to state um, they've got all kinds of guys in that team that are just straight up ball players that have been bored into it that have lived it um, being in Gross Point, you hear a lot about it. Um, you know, the facility I runs in Gross Point, so those guys are, are coming through there a lot, uh, and, and they're a very good team. Um, another team to look out for, and, and I kind of go back to D1 here, so I don't mean to backtrack, but uh, there's a legitimate pitching staff at North that I think is going to be mm-hmm. that's going to shock some people. Um, they've got a 24 in Brennan Hill that's that's you know 83, 85, and he's topped out at 86. And you're talking from the left side, uh, a guy who went down into the in, during the fall scene, went down to Lake Point and, and showed out in a big way. Um, and then you talk about his his older brother Drew Hill, another lefty, Nick Nuss, another lefty. Uh, he's a guy committed to to Bowling Green. Uh, it just pff, that team is that staff is going to take them a long way. And that's a school that the program got really turned around there fast. You know, I think they had like 30, 31 wins. So um, that's a team to look out for. Obviously, we know South is always going to compete. Um, so, so that might be a team that shocks in D1. Woodhaven always competes. That might be a team that, you know, they're ranked second, uh, but that's still a team that can challenge, you know, in, in D1. D1's just one of those divisions where it's. T- it's very, you know, top to bottom. Any any of those teams really in that top 20 can do some things. They've all got some dudes, uh, especially, I think, we talked about Northern, but or I'm sorry, we talked about Central, but even Portage Northern is a team that we didn't really touch on that could do it. So I think, honestly, to, to wrap up this segment, D1 is going to be extremely fun to see how it all plays out because uh, we really got no clue right now. Um, I think D3, like you're, you're heavily leaning towards that Liggett, that Liggett team in D3. Uh, but I think in D1, it's like it's completely wide open, completely wide open. And that's what's fun about it. And I don't know if the if this was knowledge at the time of the poll release, but Rice got John Locker back. Um, he spent the uh, the first semester at IMG and now with Michigan High School Baseball looking like we're going to play, you know, like a normal schedule. I uh, came back to Rice and he'll graduate from Rice and he'll be a big piece of their pitching staff. And, and all of a sudden that team looks even better. Than, than they did at the time of this ranking, so it's it's a that could be a, that could be one of the one of the better Rice teams that we've seen in recent memory, and, that, and it's not like they've been bad; they've been really really good. Uh, so like, so I'm definitely uh, you know we'll see them four times at least. So so I'm ready. Uh, I know our, our guys will be ready, and that's going to be Rice Rice St. Mary's games are always so much fun, man. Like it's everybody's on the edge of their seat. Like I chew my nails down to nubs. Petrie's kicking chairs. Like. Um, <laughs> 
you know, it, it's it's always it's always like, you know, knock them down, drag them out, like let's see who can land the last haymaker to the other guy's jaw type of baseball. And they're supremely talented and, and obviously super well coached by Bob Riker, and, and it's going to be a going to be a fun fun Catholic league. And I say that selfishly, but. Um, yeah, man, that top, that top of D three, that top of D one, and the depth of D one, it's going to be fun to see that. It's going to be fun. The final four in East Lansing is going to be really fun for sure. Um, and with that, we'll uh, we'll wrap you and I talking, and uh, we're going to take it right into our first interview segment, which is with University Liggett's head coach Dan Samini. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to our interview portion of Cold Weather Bats, Episode 5. As we talked about in the intro, we'll be uh, talking to the four head coaches of the four preseason number ones across the four divisions of Michigan High School Baseball. And leading us off in that sense is Dan Samini, head coach of University Liggett, uh, over there on the east side of Detroit, a perennially strong program, and they are picked number one in Division Three heading into 2021. Coach Samini, thanks for joining us. Joining us, man. Thanks for having me. So Coach, uh, if you could kind of give us a little background, and, and this is something Brandon and I are curious about as well as, as I'm sure some of our listeners, can you kind of give us the process for how the MHSBCA does this poll? Like, is it something as simple as an email being sent out that people click on and, and you know, that this, that, and the other thing? Or if you could kind of take us through that process, we'd really appreciate it. Sure, sure. Um, well, our polls were up, Dave Seidenbender. Um, he talks to reps across the state. We, I mean, obviously our whole board, we talk about the teams and uh, what to expect before the season starts going into our clinic. Um, but uh, we get poll reps to get emailed from all the coaches and the, and the reps email the coaches in their leagues or in their districts or in their regions and just see who's going to be strong this year. Who do they think that's going to be the top teams? And then we all get together and he gets together and the reps get together and we talk about it and we kind of try to put together a little fun preseason um, poll for everybody to get excited about before the spring uh, starts. Um, it, sometimes it's right on. Sometimes, you know, there's always a lot of surprise teams that come out of nowhere. So uh, that's what's the fun about it. It's never it's never the same at the beginning of the year than it is at the end of the year. As a, as a coach, I always say I'd rather, I'd rather be ranked number one at the end of the year than be ranked number one at preseason. But it's still awesome. It's fun. It's fun for the kids. Uh, it's a great, exciting uh, thing for everybody. So that's why we put it out early. Certainly. And I mean, it's definitely something we all look forward to, you know, as high school coaches in the state. It's it's a um, like you said, definitely would rather be number one at the end of the year. But it's still a cool little barometer to see, like, maybe it's not an exact science, but it's definitely sort of like a hey, this is how this club is viewed. You know, this is how other coaches see this team. Uh, and in that sense, it's definitely a fun little like uh, like you said, barometer or exercise or whatever word you want to use. Um, so to, to jump right into it, man, tell us about your club. You know, you and I talked about it before the show. I, I've seen quite a bit of your younger guys, uh, the higher end 23, 24 kids that you guys got at Liggett. But I, I'd love to just kind of sit back and let, let you tell us about them, man. Yeah, well, you know, it's, a, it's exciting. Um, we are young. We are very young. Um, I've got nine kids that played in the Grosse Pointe Woods Little League World Series in the, over the last couple of years. Um, so there's some good talent, uh, some kids that have already verbally committed to some D1 schools, which is uh, always exciting. Um, but, you know, with COVID, as you know, 
we all we lost a year. So all those kids that were going to be freshmen uh, didn't even play last year. So now they're all sophomores. Uh, haven't played in high school yet, which is kind of <laughs> crazy because we've seen so much in the summer in the last two uh, years um, that uh, it's just crazy they haven't played high school. But you know, we got a nice club. We got really we got speed finally uh, in our program. We've had a lot of success um, over the last ten, eleven years. But uh, I haven't had that speed that, that I that I really love to coach. I'm very aggressive coach. So this year we have speed, we have some power, we have good pitching. Um, so uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to line up, put nine, ten kids in a lineup that uh, live and breathe, die and breathe baseball, which which is always fun. Every coach wishes they had that on a, on a daily basis. You're exactly right about that. I don't know anybody who would turn that down, but uh, obviously, like you like you mentioned, these these past ten or eleven years have been uh, pretty awesome at Liggett. Uh, it's been consistency, um, to put it lightly. So, talk about your your origins and and how Liggett came about for you. I always like to hear the stories of how uh, coaches get to where they're at, uh, get to that job, and then when you got that job, what were your goals and and how did you lay those out? Sure. Um, you know, I played for Gross Point South for Dan Greasebaum in 1987. Uh, that's when I graduated. It was our first Final Four itself, Greasebaum's first Final Four. I played center field there. Went on to play two years at Macomb Community College and two years at University of Detroit. And then when I got out, I went back to South and coached the uh, JV and uh, freshman teams for about three or four years. And then I got a job at Liga teaching and coaching and took over the head coaching job in 2004. Uh, when I went into it in 2004, um, I was really excited about just building it from the ground up. It was it was a program that was pretty much non-existent on the, on the grand scheme of things throughout the state, and uh, I wanted to be one of those teams that people knew about. And so we got some kids in, we fixed the fields up, we, we built up the culture. Um, you know, I set the high standards with these kids and expected them to go through. Uh, uh, preseason and, and uh, postseason training and and getting themselves in shape to have a great season and uh, they bought into it hook line and sinker we've got a few kids uh, uh, 2008 we got Curtis Fisher in at Liggett uh, it was a senior year uh, he was runner up to Mr. Baseball and went on to play at Michigan State but he was the one that kind of took us off took us got us going um, got us going kept them put us on the map. As for, you know, we didn't win anything in 2008. We were 28-0, ended up losing in the regional championship game that year. Uh, thought we were going to win a state championship, but we didn't. So we kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And then in 2011, uh, Alex uh, Dar came to Liggett, and he was amazing on the mound for us. And we kind of jumped on his back, and we won the state championship in 2011 and had a great catcher in Dominic Chomet that played at Michigan. And then, you know, after that, 11, 12, 13, 14, we went to the state championship game four years in a row, uh, won three of them. We ended up losing in 2012 to, to Cater. And then, you know, after that, we, uh, you know, 13 and 14, we went back-to-back once in Division Four and then once in Division uh, Three. And when we moved up to Division Three, we beat a Bishop Foley team that was probably one of the best high school teams I've seen put together. And uh, we knocked them off, and then you know it's just it was a, it was an expectation that I think all of our kids I instill in them is to expect to be there, and we never really look at our opponent. We don't try to compare ourselves to other teams or other opponents. We kind of play our game, our philosophy, uh, take care of what we can take care of on the field, and that's kind of been our mojo and our motto 
Um, our motto is everything counts at Liggett and uh, how we treat each other, how we act on and off the field, how we are in the classroom. Um, you know, we, I hold them to that standard. They hold each other to that standard. And uh, we've had success from here in the last 10 years. Seven out of the last nine years have been in the Final Four. Um, every single kid since 2011, I was talking to my team on Skype or on uh, Zoom the other day, and every single kid that's been in our program since 2011 has played in a state championship game, which is insane if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've all, all graduated. They, I mean, our, 2000, our, t- our team last year that didn't get to play was the only senior class that didn't get to win a state championship since 2011. Oh, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. But they got there uh, the year before. So, Coach, you, you, uh, you, you briefly touched on uh, one of the Bishop Foley teams there and, and obviously I'm a old CHSL guy uh, myself and, and played in it and coaching it and, and you know I, I think that even before I was at St. Mary's when I was still at Riverview Richard we matched up a couple times and, and yeah. uh, uh, you know CHSL games and, and, and this that and the other thing and, and can you kind of you know like you mentioned Foley and I, obviously I'm with you man those teams were unbelievable can you kind of give us a, a, a maybe an anecdote or two of some of those great games, whether it was against that Foley team or a different team of, of a similar caliber, but like a couple, you know, maybe one or two games that stand out in your head. Well, the 2014 game really stands out because nobody gave us a chance at all. I mean, that team was cruising through everybody, whether they played a D1 school or a D3 school. Um, and uh, we believed that, you know, we had just won. We had just been the three state championships in Division Four, And I think people kind of underestimated us, thought that we were a D4 school. So moving up against a team like that, we, we wouldn't have a chance. And um, we just believed. We played really good defense. Our pitcher, um, Matthew Goucher, um, I, funny story, he hadn't pitched all year. He pitched two games for us in relief. But he had the stuff to beat Foley if he was on. And he was laying under a tree, and we were waiting for Foley to play Cabrini, and then uh, we were going to play in the regional championship. And I walked up and kicked him, and he was la- he was sleeping. I said, "You ready to pitch?" And everyone on my team went, "What? Are you crazy, coach? <laughs> he's not even our second or third pitcher." I go, "He's pitching today." He went out there and threw the best game I'd ever seen for six and a third innings, and uh, mowed them down. Didn't give up a run. But a team like that, you could never say die. Nate Grise comes up. He couldn't hit right-handed because he broke his wrist. So he's mm-hmm. hitting left-handed. He had two strikes. There was nobody on. Two outs. Seventh inning. We're about to win. It's five nothing. He bunts for a base hit with two strikes and gets on base. Next guy gets a hit. Next guy walks. Next guy hits a bleeder. Next guy hits a bleeder. Next thing you know, it's five three. Bases loaded. I leave Goucher because he was throwing great. He only gave up three runs, or three hits, and then he hits a slow roller up the middle. Uh, Azar uh, dove up the middle, grabbed it. They were sending the runner from second to tie the game. And um, Sunday saw that he couldn't make it, so he slammed the brakes on, and the kid wiped out going around third. We threw the ball to third, tagged him, and it was the end of the game. So it looked like it was going to be an easy win. It was the biggest, probably the toughest game I've ever had to coach in uh, at, the, at that level at that time. So um, those Foley teams were awesome. I mean, we played Foley. 14 times that was since that game we've never lost to them which is amazing to me if you think about it um, mm-hmm. as good as they've been and they were the standard in division three for 
And they still, after we went up to Division One in 17-18, they went there back-to-back when we left and mm-hmm. won one and lost one. So they've been a high-standard uh, team, uh, someone that we've always been shooting with, uh, battling with. Um, that one, and then 2016, when we won the state championship, we played them. Uh, Campbell was pitching uh, for them, and we beat them 2-1 to one in 10 innings on a walk-up by Connor McCarron. So those two games were probably two of the toughest games we played in the playoffs. And the game before that, when we played Riverview Richard, we lost. We ended up winning three to two on a fake. We faked uh, the kid out. Who was his name? You remember the pitcher? He's real good quarterback. Lepetsky. Um, yeah, yeah, Lepetsky. Yeah, yeah. He was great. Yeah. And uh, he was on second base, and we, we we did the wheel play where we faked it, and like the ball went in the center, and he started running the third, and we just tagged him out. And that was that basically was it. So. Some great games with the Catholic League, uh, especially in the playoffs. So, Coach, uh, one big thing I just I think I've learned over these past couple of years, and I think at some point we all learn, is just how much that we can learn from those before us, really, and whether that be those who we were assistants for, or those who we played under, or those who we played against, even. Uh, just talk about some of your mentors and who you've learned from, and you know what you've learned from those guys, and how that's helped you, you know, long term as a coach. Sure. Um, well, the first one, first and foremost, was Dan Greasebaum. I mean, you know, we had a team of misfits kind of in 87. We weren't supposed to do anything, and uh, we ended up going 29-6 and six and, and getting to the Final Four. We ended up losing to Midland Dial that year. They were, they were really good. They had Jude A. brothers on the team, and Catholic Central ended up winning the state championship that year mm-hmm. with Hager. Um, but uh, he's taught me a lot, um, not just baseball, but he's such a great character guy, and uh, he's such a family guy, and he does everything by the book, and and uh, makes holds people accountable, and he's just a great guy. He kind of instilled a lot of that in me. He kind of helped me as a player, kind of believe in myself, and you know, I wasn't even planning on going to college when I was in high school, and then he kind of turned me that way, and I told me I was good enough, and then I realized I was, and then ended up playing in college. But he was someone that got me kickstarted, and he's been someone that I've been now competing with over the years now here in Gross Point. You know, Frank Sombrero's another one from North. And he's no longer there, but uh, he's had some great teams at North. And, you know, our community baseball here has been really good in Gross Point. And uh, those two guys were, you know, they've been the standard here for over 30 years. So they've been uh, some two of, two of the guys that I really look up to. I mean, now I look up to the guys that are, some of the guys that are on the board, you know. Uh, Scott Sallow from Homer's had an unbelievable career. Um, Chris Andrews from Porter's Northern, who's unbelievable. Um, you know, they've, they've set standards high. So I, I, the great thing about being on the board is I get to Scotty Evans, who I played college baseball with, is at Richmond. Um, those guys I love, their camaraderie, but you pick each other's brains and, and uh, you learn so much from each other. Uh, so those are, those, are, those are the guys that I really look up to and, and emulate and try to steal stuff from and vice versa, I think, with me. So. Coach, can you uh, last question for you? Can you kind of give us what your read is? You know, as far as the the programs that you expect to be there at the end with you guys in East Lansing, and you talked about a couple of them just now. You mentioned Homer, you mentioned Richmond. That's two and three in the preseason poll there. And uh, if you could just kind of give us a little bit on that, who you expect there to be at the end, that'd be great. Yeah, you know, I I, I think uh, um, River Gabriel Richard is going to be right there. Uh, they've, uh, you know, they had a really good young team uh, when we ended up the year before COVID. I mean, we had, they had a great team. But they were senior loaded, and 
So they have a really good JV team, so I think they're going to be really tough. Um, I'll tell you right now, the team that I, I'm excited to see play, and I know we're going to end up playing them in the playoffs this year, is Detroit Edison. Uh, Detroit mm-hmm. Edison's got some players on that team. Uh, they got some really good athletes. Uh, Mark Brown does a good job coaching them. And I'm excited to see a team from Detroit uh, and that loves baseball, that puts a lot of time into it. And they do. They put a lot of time in it, get great athletes. So I'm excited to see what they do. I think they're going to be good. And our Green Hills has done pretty well in the last few years and, uh, you know, in Division III. Um, so there's a lot of good teams. Gladstone's always great. They're always in there, uh, and, and, you know, from the UP. So, you know, there's so many good teams in Division Three that have a chance. And you know as well as I do, you get a couple hot pitchers in, in June, and uh, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. That's absolutely right, and I'm with you on Detroit Edison, man. Like, it, there's there's nothing but good that comes from having strong baseball teams in in the Detroit Public League, you know, the, the public school league in, in inner city Detroit. Coach, we really appreciate your time, man. Thank you for joining us here on Cold Weather Bats. Um, if you could announce to the folks where they can follow your program on Twitter, where they can follow you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, um, my program uh, Dsamini One or at Dsamini One on Twitter. Um, you can follow us or, or uh, ULS dot org. Um, you can get our we'll take a look at our program uh, on that. So. Um, but yeah, those are the two things that you can you can follow us on. But Twitter for sure, um, Liggett Baseball at Liggett Baseball on Twitter also. So fantastic. Well, Coach, thank you for joining us. We're looking forward to uh, all indications pointing towards us starting on time in mid March, and, and hopefully we can uh, <laughs> hopefully we can get ourselves a full season in. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing y'all in East Lansing at the end of the year, man. Well, I, I hope so. I hope so. That's the goal. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Good luck. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Moving on to our uh, next segment here in our uh, our coaches' week, we you know we welcome another top ranked program head coach here, Charlie Christner, head coach of Brighton High School in Division One. Charlie, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So as we know, we've talked about this already in the show, but we'll bring it up to you here. The MHBC, MHSBCA, which I always struggle to say, uh, acronyms are not my thing, uh, released their preseason polls, and we've highlighted them throughout this show. Uh, your team was uh, ranked at the top, and as, as every coach probably says, that the, the preseason rankings really don't matter, but obviously that has to feel good going into the year, knowing that you know, you're recognized as a program that is expected to do great things. So talk about your program, talk about where you guys are at going into the year, some guys that uh, you might expect to, to do some things. And what you guys are aiming to accomplish? Sure, I uh, you know I think this year of, of all the years that we've probably had this preseason ranking, I think it it says a lot about our program because not knowing necessarily you know not having a season last year to be um, to, to kind of judge individual players in that in that uh, sense, uh, what teams have coming back uh, as much um, to be able to look at our program and say that you know the MH. SBCA thinks that we are, you know, a, a top team in the in Division One. Says a lot, I think, about us, and and um, we're excited about it. But yeah, again, it doesn't. They don't give out trophies in the preseason, so we um, we've got our work cut out for us. But we we think we've got some pretty good players that are going to um, contribute this year. Some young players and some uh, um, and some good ones. So 
uh, we're really excited about what we have coming coming this year, and I'm sure that there's a lot of schools in the state that can say the same. Coach, can you uh, can you give us just a little background on Brighton High School, the baseball program in general? You know, just uh, a little bit of historical perspective on the program, what it's looked like under your tenure there at head, as head coach, kind of anything in that range. Yeah, we've had uh, so uh, Coach Carroll. I played for Coach Carroll. I, I'm a Brighton graduate myself in 2001, and uh, I played for Coach Carroll, who won seven, eight hundred baseball games at Brighton High School, and and um, and then George Reck took over after him, who was an assistant coach, and I helped out Coach Reck, and then I took over, and this would be my, I think, ninth year as the head coach. Um, we haven't won a state championship at Brighton in any of those years and all those wins, um, so that's obviously something that's been on, on our list. We've had a number of all-state players, a couple Mr. Baseball players in the last 25 years, Drew Henson obviously being one, Ron Hollis was another one in the 90s. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, as a program of 120 baseball games for, I don't know, ever, for since coach Re- or since coach Carroll started back in the, um, seventies. So, um, pretty rich baseball tradition that we have, I feel in Brighton and uh, I've been happy to be a part of it as a player and as a coach. And I'm just trying to do my best to kind of continue that tradition that, that those two coaches before me kind of built off of, or, uh, you know, started. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're, we're hopefully going to keep that moving in the same direction as best we can. And one of these dates finished number one at the end, as opposed to the beginning. <laughs> so coach, uh, talk about, I mean, your roster obviously is getting recognized here early on. Uh, just talk about a few of the things with a few of the guys that you expect to shine this year. Uh, you know, whether that be your rotation or your lineup, uh, what kind of strengths do you guys have going into the year and some things maybe you're attacking, uh, you know, flaw-wise going into the year as well? Um, you know, I think we have one returning guy that has really any varsity experience, and that's Mason McGuire, who played as a sophomore on our team um, and played, you know, significant amount. He's going to be somebody that we're going to be relying on, on you know, a lot this this spring. Um, I think that our pitching staff, you know, Mason's a catcher, which is a which is a huge benefit. I think that you know the catching position is one of the more underappreciated in some cases positions in, in in high school baseball just because so much happens from you know that standpoint. If you got a guy, you know, we have a kid in in uh, Easton Story who's a sophomore who throws hard and the ball moves all over the place, and if you don't have somebody that can catch that, it, it makes it you know it takes away one of your advantages in terms of your pitching staff and. To have Mason back as our catcher, that that's a big deal for us. Um, and, and we think we've got some some other players. Um, Spencer Andrzejewski is a big player that we're kind of having high hopes for. We've I've been following Spencer since he was in my seventh grade social studies and science class, and been looking forward to the day to finally coach him. And that's I think that's going to happen this spring. And um, and then uh, Cam Schuster who's going to be going to Mott Community College. He's another one that we're we have high hopes for and. Uh, Andrew Renner is a, is a middle infielder and, and pitcher that um, w- we think is, has, has a good future for us. As a, um, this is his first year on varsity or will be his first year as a, as a senior. Um, and then uh, we have some good sophomores and some juniors that we're really excited about. And I've already mentioned, you know, the sophomore Easton story is somebody that I think we'll be able to hopefully anchor our pitching rotation around for the next three years. And, um, 
and then there's, you know, um, some other young players that we have coming up that we're excited about as well. So, um, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, people, I, I, the day that this, this whole preseason poll came out, um, I had, you know, I'm sure, you know, uh, Ryan Ford, I get a text from him. I get some texts from other guys and I got texts from players. And so it's, uh, caught me off, off guard a little bit, but, uh, the kids were excited. And so we'll move on from there and see what that, what that brings. Coach, can you kind of take us around the area a little bit? You know, obviously Brighton is uh, not quite Metro Detroit or is Metro Detroit, like close enough to count. Um, but can you kind of take us around like the rivalries that you guys have? Like who's the, the hated rival that you match up with every year? Who's the who's the team that keeps knocking you out of the playoffs or whatever it is? Like I'd, I'd love to get into, get into that with you. Well, for us, you know, it's always it always comes down for us right away. It's Howell and Heartland who are in our area, um, and, and they're the two programs that um, we always match up with. And our kids play against Howell and Heartland kids since they start playing, you know, little league baseball and travel baseball, and and up through the ranks of that, and then obviously into high school. And um, you know, Howell and Heartland have always been really really well coached. And always have really good players, um, and so that's kind of the big, um, you know, rivalry that we have within our immediate area. And then, you know, there's been I would say that Northville and and, and um, John at Northville does a really good job, and they've kind of become a team that I always judge our teams against. Is is you know how what Northville does, and when we compete with them because we play them every year within our league, and then at Canton also and bloomy at Canton we play them twice a year and it's always seems to come down to a you know a run or a play or a bump that somebody gets down or execute something so those are those are kind of the area that we compete against quite a bit um our conference is you know I I would put our conference up against just about anybody and and um with Stevenson that's in the top 20 and Plymouth in the top 20 and again as I said Northville and in Canton as well, so um, that's kind of. I mean, those are the those are the main teams I would say that we compete against within our league. And then once we get out of our our league, our district, we change districts every year. We must be in a spot where we're either up in you know playing up toward Heartland or Fenton, or we play in Ann Arbor, or we play toward Lansing, or we play in Northville. Um, so it's. Um, it's been a variety of teams that's knocked us out. Let's put it that way. So, so coach, you mentioned uh, you know how how you got to where you're at with Brighton and, and kind of rising through the ranks there as an assistant, and more so just really waiting your turn from from the sounds of it. But mm-hmm. take us through that, uh, you know, the origins of that, and uh, the I think really the importance of quote unquote waiting your turn and learning under the the head man before and how how seamless of a transition that created for not only you but for the Brighton program as well to continue to be successful thereafter. Yeah, well, Co- you know, Coach Carroll started and, and he retired uh, would have been probably fifteen years ago, maybe oh five. Um, which I played with, I played for him, then I graduated, went on to college, played in college, and then when I got out of college, I came back and um, got a teaching degree in Brighton, which then allowed me the opportunity to, to fit right in and coach with Coach Rec, who Coach Rec was, uh, George was um, Coach Carroll's assistant coach for a number of years, 
and then he took over and then I kind of became the, his assistant and then took over for, um, coach Rex. So it was kind of, you know, we've had this continuation of, um, people within the district or within the program that have kind of taken over the program when the, you know, previous person stepped away. And I think it's been able, it's been a good, good transition in the sense that we've been able to um, keep some of those same things that we've been doing for all of those years. But then I think at the same time, been able to add in some new things as, as the program has kind of gone from one coach to the next. And, um, developed it to where it's at today um but but it's been you know the program since the 90s has been a really really good program and um you know my goal is obviously to keep it that way for as, as long as they'll have me i guess so so having been around the game as long as you have coach uh what are some things that are starting to come about nowadays especially you know over these past five years we've seen a lot of evolutions um and you know and one thing i'm, I'm interested and curious and hearing about is you know you mentioned mason mcguire and uh you know i've actually worked with him a couple of times uh you know doing some catching work and you know he's a guy who really enjoys going from one knee uh and that's obviously been a huge conversation so talk about uh your thoughts on that uh, having that unique perspective with mason in your program and, and how that's either helped you or maybe even challenged you to open your mind some but just talk about that experience you know for me if it gets the job done i'm, I'm completely oh you know i i'm fine with whatever a, a kid um you know, a player of ours does and it's successful. As long as I see it and they can show me that they can do it in a practice situation or, um, or, or if I'm watching a summer game or whatever it may be, I have no issue with, with that. Um, and, uh, Mason's got a, you know, he's, he's, he can do a lot of things as a catcher that, um, and we've had good catchers, but he's a really, really good one. Um, and so just being open to those types of things, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not at all a old school in the sense that I'm just, you know, this is the way we're going to do things always and, and things like that. And, and um, you know, uh, so I, I'm open to all those types of things and some of those nuances we shift, you know, at, at times we do some different things that you didn't see, you know, that now is kind of a big deal. We, we do some of those types of things and, um, you know, it's, it's, the game is, athletes are changing the game because of those athletes changes at times too. And, and, um, you know, we open that up to those guys. Obviously and Mason's one of those guys. Coach, that's a, that's a great comment, a great observation as far as like being open to change the game being changed, the athletes around you changing. Um, it's a, it's important. I think in all three of our opinions, as well as I would imagine most listeners that like you can't be that rigid when it comes to things like obviously there's things you can be rigid about and need to be rigid about but as far as like different player development programs and and, and different ways of going about receiving behind the plate like you said man I'm all on board with you I'm on board with it as as long as it gets the job done and and uh, the the player can explain to me why he wants to do it that way and hey if it makes sense let's ride Right, I, I, you know, if if it causes you to hit the ball well, or it causes you to throw strikes, or, or causes us to, you know, be successful in whatever that ends up being, I'm I'm really okay with it, and, and I don't uh, I don't pretend to know everything I need to know, and I, I know in, in 
And some of these guys, you know, at times I'll see things and watching other coaches or listening to other coaches and, and picking up little things or, um, yeah, just, just the, the athletes have changed. And so the game is, I think also, you know, changed. I mean, that's as obvious with the, you know, the game in the, you know, major league baseball is significantly different than I feel it was years ago in terms of base stealing and not base stealing. I feel like that's not a big part of the game and, you know, because the athletes are going to hit three run home runs. That's what we're going to play for most of the time. It seems like, um, so yeah, things have changed and, and, um, I'm, I'm good with all of that. So coach, we really appreciate you joining us, man. Had a fantastic conversation with you and, uh, we're really looking forward to, uh, to watching Brighton take the field this year and, and best of luck to you along the way, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, anything I can do, appreciate you guys putting, uh, a spotlight on on Michigan high school baseball. Absolutely, and it's a pleasure to have guys on like you. We thank you. We thank you for coming on. Have a good one. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of Cold Weather Bats. Had some fantastic conversations on this episode. We had really good, really in depth, really historical. Uh, conversations with with both Dan Samini from Liggett and Charlie Christner from from Brighton, um, two of the finest head coaches, two of the finest programs in the state, and obviously so as they were ranked number one in uh, the preseason polls for D one and D three respectively. We will get into uh, divisions two and four next week uh, with coach interviews and, and the same kind of style of podcast where you and I rap about what we think of the polls and, and what teams we like and so on and so forth. Um, with that being said, before we leave, we had a something of a fan mail entry for an idea for the show. And it what we want to do is kind of do a like a rapid fire segment at the end of every coach interview or at the end of every player interview or whoever we interview, just kind of three or four questions where we put them on the spot. We don't prep them for it. And, uh, you know, we expect them to answer right off the top of their head to whatever it is that, that we decide to ask. Um, so with that, with that in mind, I'm going to use Brandon as my Guinea pig and we're going to debut that, that segment right now. We're just going to do it on each other. Uh, so Brandon, I'm I'm going to put you on the spot with three or four or five or twelve or however many questions I see fit, as you are my guinea pig for the next twenty minutes or so. As many as you see fit, Brian. <laughs> Brandon is as annoyed with me as I am with myself. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, here we go. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. State champion in Division One, Brother Rice. State champion in Division Three, the Liggett for sure. Michigan baseball is currently ranked somewhere between 18 and 20 or whatever on most preseason polls. Over under on their finish this year, 17.5. Love the arms. So I'll say, so is an under technically like higher than? Yeah. You know, I thought about that as I asked it. So we'll, you just say higher than that. I'll say they finish around 14. So we'll say higher. Okay. That's I fair. Like the arms. That isn't like the as arms. rapid fire. Yeah, that isn't as rapid fire as we wanted to get into, but I mean, sure, that's fine. We'll get we'll, we'll count. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, uh, chocolate chip cookie dough or rainbow sherbet? Hate chocolate chip cookie dough. Hate rainbow sherbet. Gun to head, chocolate chip cookie dough. Well, you. I mean, that's terrible. I don't like both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two dessert. I mean, I am a sweets man, but two things I I do not enjoy: chocolate just, chip cookie dough and rainbow sherbet. So if I but gun to head, you know, if I gotta pick one, I'm not just gonna starve. I'll definitely eat the cookie dough. But I 
I won't enjoy it as much as maybe dark chocolate. Uh, IPA or stout? Ooh, oh man. Definitely. Adult, well, how many am question. I? Right. Uh, I guess it depends how many I'm supposed to have. Um, if I'm having one, a stout. If I've got to have more than one, an IPA. Brandon is, folks, Brandon is doing a great job not playing by the rules here. I'm locked yeah, in. Uh, so anyways, um, okay. I, I guess that's uh, that's kind of our test run as far as these things go. I wish Brandon would have played along a little better. But hey, um, it's okay. He's young. He'll learn. IPA. Um, there's my answer. <laughs> is everyone happy now? Is everyone listening? Are they done? Are you guys done punching your doors in, in annoyance of how I won't answer a straight question? There are people out there who thoroughly believe I've never answered a question with just yes or no or just straightforward. I've always got, I've always got some implications on my answer. I have to make it clearly. I have to make it completely clear why I'm answering the way I am and what the, the reason behind it, which might not be a good thing every now and then, but you know, it's just one of those things. I'm young, like you said. I'm young. You're like a politician, man. Just say yes or no. Like, it's it's fine. And with that, folks, we will wrap up Episode 5 of Cold Weather Bats. Special thank you to our guests, Charlie Christner and Dan Samini. Good luck to both of their programs as, as we get started here, hopefully in the next couple months. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Cold Weather Bats. Uh, we like engaging with with listeners on on that medium. We uh, We enjoy hearing your thoughts. We enjoy taking suggestions. We enjoy hearing what you want to hear so that we can incorporate it better into the show. You can follow me on Twitter at B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at coach underscore B justice. And we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, Michigan.